Hey, I did see though, Aaron sent us a picture of some of the Peloton trainers and they was all pretty fine, so. It looked like a episode of one of those dating shows or something like that. That shit, it's not, it's not, that shit is not a dating service, is it? Is it like a no. dating app? No, come on, Ed, man. That would be Ed to look at the commercial. Hey, 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 shout out thing. to Peloton <laughs> sponsorship. We got new ideas. Let's turn your cycling class also into a meetup spot and a dating service. Why not? It's like we both into cycling. <laughs> come on. He could be getting off his bike in these little, um, those little vests. Oh, Aaron, do you wear a helmet while you're riding your Peloton? <laughs> no, no, but I do wear I do wear some uh, compression long pants. Aaron, I wear compression long pants and a Jimmy hat just to be careful. I don't have that little. I know what Ed think. Ed think I'm gonna Hello. have that like tight, that little tank top tight one, like Martin was wearing, like Martin was wearing when he did that class. No, I, no, not that. Not I thought that. I thought you would be wearing a Buddy Love onesie. Come on, I forgot my Buddy Love onesie. <laughs> Hey man, Aaron got a Peloton recently. Aaron, how's that yeah. Peloton working out for you? Man, got my legs burning, my butt's burning, in between my legs hurting from sitting on that damn seat so much. You got uh, a what? I, I got a, I got a Peloton, Ed. I try not to tell people because people. Shout out to people. Peloton sponsorship. Shout out for Peloton for creating uh, anxiety in people for and not telling people they got a Peloton because people look at you certain ways when you mention it. <laughs> Probably about to look at you real crazy, but I don't even know what you're talking about. What the hell is this? It's an exercise bike. Called you know the exercise bike. Ed, it's one of those high the, end ones. Got the video. It's got the video screen. You can work out with people across the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron started out awesome. started his workout with uh, on the BBW settings. Come on, man. I, was, <laughs> you know, I thought about that. <laughs> I thought about that, and I was like, man, they, you know what, man? Where, where do people that look like me? I need a trainer to look like me. At least one to make me feel good. Uh, uh, Aaron, I need to be a little husky. You need to realize you bought a Peloton and that you are you a black you a black boy. So don't trust me. I know that. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm in there talking shit to myself, trying to finish off hey. that damn workout. Hey, did you did you have the you have the Nintendo glove too, Aaron? <laughs> no, nah, I didn't. Come on, man. <laughs> Aaron trying to nah, Aaron trying to link up the Nintendo this. Switch to the Peloton so screen. You'd be like, man. <laughs> did you already start the show. Jared, I, th I think I think Ed been ready for a long time. Ed, I need a letter. M. M. Mandingo masquerade parties. Mama say, Mama say, Mama kusa. Marijuana. <laughs> Adele's mandingo fetish. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was kind of digging on on that SNL. Adele could have a like a Mandingo mashup. That's what she'd do, like a ma like a little mashup song medley. Well, she did that Mandingo skit on SNL. Did you see that? Or basically, no. they might as well titled it the Mandingo skit. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't uh, see the skit. You didn't see that. Look uh, up Adele. Adele. Was it last night? It was last yeah, night. Look up Adele African. That. That's all you gotta look up. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You were listening to the High Score Five One Zero podcast. 
you can catch us on at high score 510 on the instagram the twitter and the youtube um you can also check us out at highscore510.com and check out our patreon page we just launched it be sure to check it out we have our kamala harris is she too thick to be our vp conversation from a couple weeks ago was she too thick or not thick enough? No, not thick enough. Too thick. Yeah, is she not thick enough? She not thick enough to be the beat. The first man. Black was she was title. How you gonna say was she not thick enough? No, no. To be the first black. No, no, no. You saying was she not thick Obama enough makes thick. it backwards. Exactly what I was saying. Is she Obama thick or is she not Obama thick? That's no, the real question. Shell Obama thick. That's the question. <laughs> wow. Shell Obama thick. You ain't never seen she thick. Wow. That's an old woman right I'm there. That's she about six myself one. All the way for this. I'm a good Should thick. Have, if I was Obama, I'd be in there every night. Mm-hmm. I'll show her. Hey, you tell her she fucking around and come out here in California. I'll show Michelle Obama the new South Side. Stop. It'll be South Side with me. Instead of South Side with me, that movie will be South Side with AG. <laughs> Oh, Lord. All right. Well, uh, be man. sure to check out our Patreon page uh, at patreon.com backslash highscore510. Uh, check out our content. And for our measly price, you can get all our bonus content, all our exclusive features, some video content, and live streams in the near future. But otherwise, every week we'll put out a new bonus conversation or feature conversation each week on top of any games and other uh, live streams we end up doing. Um, aside from that, we are here with. Uh, this is Aaron Grayson III, also known as AG3, coming at you faster than I turned to channel after the Dodgers gave up that run at the end of yesterday. <laughs> you mean two runs? Man, just know it. <laughs> hey, it might have been so fast, I might have missed the second run. That's how fast it was here. Anger. <laughs> that channel in anger. That was yeah. faster than when the Playboy channel used to accidentally come through and parents would change the channel real quick when they go, oh shit, I definitely clicked on cinema. Oh shit. Uh, that's how I changed it. That fast. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Oh. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. And we are here with. Hello, everybody. It's your friendly captain, Captain P Funk. They ain't drove two weeks because I've been at 17 deaths at a funeral. So what did I miss? What did I miss? Damn, Pedro. He's, damn. Sorry to hear that, Pedro. No, I'm, I'm losing two. I'm lost two family members this just in ten days. Damn. I was sorry. sorry. Our thoughts are with you. I send our love to you and your family, Pedro. Um, you know, it's it. Tough times out here. No, we all deal with it. It's it's we all came to a time where we lost loved ones. So yeah, it's yeah. I guess it's just my time. Yeah, yeah. You just do like me and not love nobody, Pedro. Then you gonna lose nobody. <laughs> right. Aaron do the test where you know he makes sure he gets through whether he gonna love him. He always tell him to do this. Spread your cheeks and lift your sack. And if they stick around, <laughs> they say maybe I might love you. <laughs> Most people leave promptly. <laughs> <laughs> But then when they walk away, oh, Aaron be God. like, And he said I was ugly and I couldn't read good. Anyway. <laughs> and we are here with Edward. Don't call me Ed Hill. Uh, God to be back. It's been a minute. I'm still black and still angry. 
Beautiful on the weekends does stunts for Little Richard in gay movies. Also known as Edward Hale Jr., man. <laughs> say his whole name. You, you don't know Ed, you better say his whole name, damn it. <laughs> Tell them all to say that. You don't have time for that. You don't, don't, don't call, don't disrespect him, call him Ed. What the hell's wrong with you? His mama named Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Man, I need you to find that soundbite with Mark Jackson saying that about Clay Thompson. <laughs> Mama called him Clay. I'ma call him Clay. That's that that that's my. Oh, I'm, I'm even fighting there Disney be, for that one. I'm be fighting Disney because you, you are. ABC this should be all over the place. No, you know ABC they scrub it. ESPN scrub those. They pay for they yeah. pay for like the rights to keep it and all that. And my name is Jared, aka DJ Art, with two T's for a double dose of that tink tink. The D is silent, just like. The D in Dallas. So it's just Jart. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Jerry Jones could go get him a quarterback that used to wear the number seven, but instead he'd rather sign people and be happy at Jerry's World serving. We will be serving white cake. So, uh, <laughs> so we had a loss. Dallas is at a loss. Dallas just lost. Dallas might be its own stimulus package this season, y'all. I'm just going to put it out there. The Dallas Cowboys are going to be their own stimulus package. Shout out to the Slump Busters podcast. So we were a guest on their show and uh, this past week, so go and tap in Slump Buster podcast. And we got a chance to, you know, sh uh, shoot the breeze with them, talk about sports, give our picks in football. And in talking football, I really realized how bad the Cowboys season is about to get. Anybody who's out there who's a Cowboys fan, um, just know that you have somebody here who's not going to be watching the season, but I'm right here with you emotionally. Shout out sponsorship. Uh, aside from that, uh, how's everybody doing today? Good. All right, man. He's out here trying to break the Craig curse. The what? The what curse? The which curse? Craig curse. The Craig curse is where all the men don't live past fifty. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You need to call your boy Trump. To break it. You know what you need to do is call your boy Trump and be like, hey, man, I'll vote for you if you give me some of them Regeneron pills. Exactly. I need, I need some of them steroids. I want mm. to be at 75 years old. I, wanna, I want my picture taken of me wheezing, real, breathing real hard <laughs> out on the balcony. This is, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Disney announced this week the long-awaited sequel to Lucasfilm's Willow has been greenlit. It will be a TV series, though, that is going to be on Disney+. And my question is, what movie from your youth or your childhood or your formative years would you like to see made into a TV series by Disney+. Okay, I'm a, I'll go first on this one. Somebody needs to do, and it, this was supposed to be in the work. Um, I don't know if it got caught up with COVID, uh, Mass Crusaders. So as a child, I used to watch these cars that would transform into like vigilante vehicles and missiles, rockets that would fly. Someone would go underwater. Someone would turn into boats. Someone would turn into tanks. I thought the concept was real cool. Mm -hmm. um, they were all, most of them were spies against terrorists, of course. Um, but the toys, the toys alone were so dope to be a kid. A lot of you millennials missing out on some great toys uh, me and Aaron grew up with. Uh, very creative. Also, 
if somebody can buy the Transformer franchise away from whoever does that, who's Michael Bay? Paramount? Yeah, mm-hmm. Michael Bay, Paramount, whoever whoever has that, whoever has that uh, franchise. If Disney can do like what they did with Marvel and throw a whole bunch of money at that, I think that can be. Um, I think that can be done right by Disney. Disney has better writers. They try to keep the nostalgia um, best as they can. You know, it's kind of hard to do with all the CGI and stuff. But I think, um, I think uh, if they did, if they switched over or put some money into Transformers, it would be done right. Not with characters nobody knows, like Blackout and. <laughs> crusher cam shaft cam shaft i think i think i think michael bay just took parts of the car that he he walked into like a craig and auto parts and just like oh man i can name a character after this windshield wiper it's <laughs> like so, can you give me the anatomy of a car i need every piece spark yeah. <laughs> plug and then and then he always makes those damn racist ass robots every move exactly. have a black robot i was waiting for him to create a tokyo drift uh, character he did. He did make it. He made the Japanese dude. Yep. Made that, the, with the, the accent and a sword. I'm like, what yep. is this robot doing with the fucking samurai sword? One. <laughs> like, yeah. why, how does a robot, why do, Why would a robot use a samurai sword? One. Two. Like, all the other robots got guns, and he got a samurai sword talking uh, with the Japanese accent. Was it, was it the, uh, would it turn the spoiler into a samurai sword? Dude, what kind of car was he again, Pedro? Uh, uh, he was a Bugatti. That dude was a Bugatti. That's it. Didn't make sense. Sure. He was an Italian yeah. car with the Italian with car. the Japanese yeah, there accent. There you go. I didn't even think of that. Thank yeah. you. That was genius. I'm surprised he didn't. And after he got through chopping up some Decepticons, turn around and open a Chinese food place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most racist. Only thing left. I mean, he made one robot with the gold too. For Christ's sakes, that talked jive. Why do robots need teeth? They didn't eat in Transformers. But what does he do? Make it buck teeth with the gold tooth. <laughs> Did he? He's like he's like he he drank. Uh, he didn't drink regular like Valvoline. He drank that like Schlitz <laughs> Schlitz oil, that malt malt oil for. <laughs> yeah, that cheap oil. What's that oil, Pedro? That's, that's like got, that. the, got the green label. Oh shoot! Oh, like green oh, and oh, orange. Quaker State. Quick. Yeah, Quaker <laughs> State. He drinking Quaker State oil. Everyone else got Valvoline. He, he got it off the Finns um, oil. And he got it off the corner, the corner gas station. He even go yeah. get a service <laughs> at the dealership. Yeah, he's like, fuck Tecron. I don't need no, no Chevron with Tecron. He's like, I got MD 2020. <laughs> Aaron, what you got in there, man? Aaron, what you sipping on? What? Uh, it's a, uh, it's White a little, cloth. it's like a coconut water mixed with, uh, with, with the Truly's line. Vodka. Aaron, nah, Aaron, it's just that hard seltzer. It's that hard seltzer. This is Aaron. Hard vodka. We transitioned Aaron into embracing his inner white woman recently Come in the on. last couple months. He admitted it, self-admitted. You know what uh, it is? Ed, Jared talks so much about pumpkin spice, and that <laughs> shit tastes like shit. So I was like, you know what? If I'm going to embrace this inner white thing you want me to, Jared, then I got to get me a... This motherfucker gave me a white claw. That's awesome. I'm going to have to be anti all that, man. <laughs> you, well, you, no. got, you got Aaron moving in the wrong direction, Jared. Well, the Trulies, the Trulies actually isn't... That's a move away from it. The white claw was embracing my inner white girl. The Trulies is... More, any, more, any, more, anything more. Anything got you moving in the other direction of anything other than inward, Aaron. Yeah, it's in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's why I moved away from the white claw, Ed. That's why I moved away. I started, you know, I started noticing all the brothers grabbing Trulies. I was like, let me test this out there. So Trulies is more malt than a white claw, or? Pedro, oh, you start drinking them, them things yet, man? White claw. No, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't partake in. Uh, 
I, I just go regular pumpkin spice. I like I like all my white woman drinks to be Walmart type white women. Come on, man. He drink the pumpkin spice that's full of sugar. But, uh, yeah, the one that's full of high fructose corn syrup and hair grease. Uh, Come on. Like he like if Pedro after eating that, if he really wants to taste the real pumpkin, he wouldn't know what the shit is. No, I don't. I wouldn't know. Wouldn't He's know like, man, the Walmart stuff tastes so synthetic. He's like, man, what's this? This Good is value. an orange. What is this? An orange, a big ass orange watermelon? Hey, look, I like my white woman drinks to taste like black women. <laughs> Come on. Wow. Come on. <laughs> Tell me he didn't just say that. He's stupid. That's a special comment, man. He said this. Oh, he's stupid. Just a lot of sugar, that's all. <laughs> All right. Um, well, back to our conversation about Disney Plus. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, oh, does anybody uh, else have a movie they would like yeah. to see Disney Plus reprise as a TV series? So I got the it. problem is it's surprised by Disney Plus because the movie I wanted was like, I ain't gonna lie, if I get Eddie Murphy and I want a trading places movie, right? A TV show, right? Problem is it, they're gonna PG it. So <laughs> I can't are. I can't but that's we could at least get like a baby Mortimer out of it. <laughs> Man, I wanted with I wanted with Eddie Murphy character like having money, right? Mm-hmm. And then he just get outrageous. Him and his family get outrageous, spending money and all that. Yeah. And so he and then he trying to calm his family. Spending, you know, there's so many ways it could go. Trading trading places would be the one the one thing I want. But the problem is they're gonna PG it. I can't have Eddie Murphy. You know what? They're gonna take my trading places, forty eight hours, delirious Eddie Murphy, and give me the haunted house, uh, uh and, and, and Miss. Hunted Mansion and Dr. Doolittle Eddie Murphy. And I'm just like, man, where is this going to go? I, I agree. Part of part of the, the reason why I phrased it that way is because we have to consider how Disney will Disney it up, even if it was original Disney movie or not original mm-hmm. Disney movie. Like even, even The Mandalorian, um, which was derived in the spinoff of the Star Wars universe, um, has many notes of just being like, they took a they, they 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 made it like a hallmark or a lifetime like holiday movie type deal where where everything is going to end up okay i feel like and the the simulated violence or conflict is very much very much something out of like that 1950s movie where it's like it's it's it's, it's pop up in your face and try and startle you and then see explosions here and there but you don't see any real anything really that makes you think think that like it's a it's a real battle going on i don't know it's just me but um well, they had some scenes, they had some cut scenes where uh, people were getting cut off and bodies were getting cut in half in the Mandalorian, right? Mm. Was there? I think I so. I think the first, the first episode, he, he pulled his, his pulled the dude through the door and chopped him in half. He did something like that, but... Yeah, oh, like that. the door chopped him in half. Yeah, but it still wasn't that. It was pretty PG-ish. Yeah. Like, I could show, yeah. you could show that to an eight-year-old. Yeah, like, that's, I can't, that's why. That's why Disney's I gonna ruin. I, w- I would want trading space, trading places to be my my Disney, like to have a TV show about it. I think it'll be hilarious. Like continue the Eddie Murphy story with him having money, but I'll be upset because they, uh, he won't he won't be acting like Eddie Murphy in trading places. Well, I think Eddie Murphy kind of made that on his own. Did that? <laughs> he kind of made that that lane on his own. Yeah. All them kids he wanted to be PG with. We might be able to. We might be able to work at Eddie Murphy. Shout out to Eddie Murphy. Come on our show. Let's talk about uh, PG TV series you can act in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, Ed, how about you? 
I thought about two movies actually. Uh, one was Bebe's Kids. <laughs> I think would be pretty funny. Um, I don't know who you would get to play. Who's it? Robin Givens. Robin Harris. Robin, Robin Harris. Harris. I don't know who you get to play that that uh, that main comedian voice, but it'd be pretty funny to see that that story fold out, and it'd be pretty interesting to see Meteor Man. He's major. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. For me. The movie I would like to see is close to Meteor Man, and I think y'all know what it is. It'll be Blank Man. Mm. I would love to see Blank Man, <laughs> and and that would be Robin Givens in there too. Um, <laughs> but Blank it's Man, classic. you get to see a real urban superhero, okay, who really actually makes his own gadgets because he works at a pawn shop in a in, in a repair store, and he uses extra materials to actually make real gadgets. He's he's a real life. Uh, Batman. He's a real life black Batman, the urban Batman. So um, I think that would be tight. It would also be empowering, empowering, kind of like Willow and uh, some of these other movies. Um, a real underdog making making noise. You want to see Robin Givens? We could just do Head of the Class, that old show she was on. I don't even know that. I I never saw oh, that. Man, I it was her and Kimberly Russell, and that was basically how I grew up watching Look, that show religiously. Kim Russell from whatchamacallit, uh, Living Single and... Uh, 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 no, no, that's Kimberly Cole. She was the daughter from Ghost Dad. Did you see Ghost Dad with Bill Cosby? Pedro's favorite movie, because yes, he looks like Bill Cosby. It was my favorite movie. That and, and that and moving by Richard Pryor. Oh, what if they did... Oh, I guess R.I.P. Richard Pryor. What if they did a reprise of Toy, the movie Toy, as a TV? Wow. I like Toy. That, that would be good. I like Toy. That was really a good movie. movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They would probably mess that up, but... <laughs> they're probably trying yeah. to block out the racist components of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, was some, that was some high level cooning going yes. on there that was some good yeah. stuff in LA on TV they be selling niggas we are here with Ed coach Edward Hill um, we want to do a you know we want to interview we want to get to know more about the work you do so uh, currently and in the past, you have been a lacrosse coach. As a coach, you've, you know, been privy to a world that, you know what I'm saying, myself, uh, Aaron, Pedro have not been privy to. And we want to find out more about your experience in the lacrosse world and what the lacrosse world is all about. How many years have you coached and where have you coached to this point? Let's see. I've been coaching since 2003. Mm-hmm. And it's 2020. That's like 17 years. Where uh, did you get your start coaching? My start coaching? I started coaching uh, at Piedmont High School, actually. Um, it was the first year Piedmont had a JV lacrosse team. And uh, one of the guys who coached me at Berkeley High, I believe my sophomore year, uh, had now taken over at Piedmont. And so I went there and coached for a year and ended up taking a job at Berkeley High. And that was the Berkeley High varsity assistant coach for, for the next three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of been a little bit of everywhere. Uh, I've coached at, coached at Miramani High School. Um, I was the defensive coordinator there. Uh, I was the head coach at Berkeley High School. I coached at UC Berkeley two different times. One for two years, the second time for three years where I was a defensive coordinator. Uh, and we, went, we made it to nationals, which was pretty tight. Currently... I'm coaching at Monta Vista High School uh, mm-hmm. on Danville, which is in the E-Ball. Probably one of the most competitive uh, high school leagues in California. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, and I've coached in the Oakland Lacrosse at well through Oakland Lacrosse with their like youth teams and high school teams at at Oakland Tech High School. Okay. Okay. So my question: um, What started you to love the lacrosse game? Because as you know, we us brothers, you know, yeah. I, 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 you know me, I, I, I love basketball. Aaron, Aaron loves uh, soccer. I think it was uh, when I realized. I started playing in eighth grade and like that year I was like doing everything, anything that I could possibly do besides going home, I was doing. Uh, so I started, I was wrestling in the, in the Berkeley police athletic league. I was running track, um, was trying to play baseball. Like I was playing basketball and flag football. Uh, but I had a friend who's like, Hey, you should come try it out. And he asked me my seventh grade year. And I was like, no, I'm not trying to do that. Uh, but once I got out there, I realized that there were a lot of similarities between the sports that I was already doing right. and that there was a lot of opportunity for like individualism within the game of lacrosse. Um, and I knew that I wasn't like, com- there was no one there to compete with me. Um, oh, so so I- you just, you went there, you, just, you get a mind say, hey, I can dominate this like Aaron dominated softball. Like like I like like I dominated bid whiz back in the day. <laughs> like like Aaron like Aaron dominated getting numbers at Kips on Wednesday nights. Come on, yeah, like like I dominated getting numbers at Magic Mountain in middle school. Hey, was Kips the one with the super sticky floor? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. That's yes, that's Kips. So Ed, when you showed up at, at practice, did you show up like this? Do any of y'all know what a BBC is? <laughs> Man, you know what the craziest thing is? So I, uh, so like all the equipment, and this is a problem. It's just, a, it's a, it's a problem even now. The equipment is hell of expensive, right? And so mm-hmm. like I brought all my stuff and then my fresh freshman year, I was like, I'm trying to get my own shit. Why? Because I like the sport and I'm pretty good at it. So let me bug the hell out of my parents enough to the point to where they're like, okay, just leave me the hell alone. Let me go buy you some shit. So we go into the store in San Francisco. It was like Lombardi, Lombardi Sports Store, I think. And I'm supposed to go buy a helmet. All right, these things are like 200 bucks. And I decided mm. then, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what I was thinking, but I decided I wanted to have a black lacrosse helmet. As the only black person on the team, I wanted to also have a black lacrosse helmet. It was my way of making a statement because I'm mm. already going to stand out, but I want to make it clear that I'm comfortable with being who I am out here. Um, I think that was kind of my drive at that point. Well, yeah. well, well touching off that, Ed, with that, what, what was the obstacles you had as being like that? You know, one of the very few black la- player, uh, black lacrosse players in California. And uh, what were the obstacles you face? Well, I mean, like my sophomore year, a bunch of us made varsity because all the older guys graduated, mm-hmm. right? So we ended up with a, a fairly young varsity team, and so we were playing teams up north and teams south, like. North is in like Novato and pretty South like Palo Alto. And like, there was like crazy racism that would always happen anytime we went either of those directions. Like hearing people say some strange things was always like, oh, all right. It was kind of eye-opening in a sense. Uh, but what I also realized is that even within the bubble of Berkeley and playing lacrosse there, that there was a ton of racist things that were happening mm-hmm. within, with, even within our team. Um, yeah. I mean, to the point of like, I grew up having people call me white boy Ed, which is like a very weird thing to have someone say to me. 
was it people that, that within the lacrosse community or yeah. like outsiders at school? No, it was like within within the lacrosse community, and it was like mm-hmm. within that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that it would like it would make me so mad that I would like a switch would turn, and where it was just like, all right, well now like you're you were my teammate, but now I see you as like my opponent. Yeah, so there was just some weird stuff, man, and like lingered for a long time. And like my interaction with, like, from a professional standpoint, like interacting with coaches, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I think as a black person in any space, you typically have to one way or another prove why you're there. And that space is no different, uh, except that when it came to coaching, now, not so. I didn't feel it so much when I was the head coach at Berkeley High, but when coaching at Cal people are still kind of like, well, what are you doing here? You know, like, well, why are you prove why you're here? Um, and then there's the element of like being a part of like the good old boys club, right? Like that's where all the resources are. Like if you didn't grow up playing back East, if you don't have a connection to a big program back East, um, I think some of your resources can be limited or your access to resources can be limited. I think right now that's one of the things I'm trying to figure out how to navigate. But what I've done recently is, to kind of address some of like the systemic racism stuff that we've been able to identify. And mm-hmm. like I've seen and experienced, I recently became the NCJLA vice president. Uh, so then the youth lacrosse organization that um, runs right from like as far North to like, uh, like central California really, or really just kind of the South Bay, I think. Um, and I'm the vice president of that. And like, I figured like one of the ways in order to really enact change is to be a part of some of these like uh, organizations, right? Like you can't, it's hard to do it from outside. Um, um, what is this organization in particular? What's the name of it again? So it's called the NCJLA, the Northern California Junior Lacrosse Association. So it works with the youth, youth lacrosse programs and schools, or is it fr- primarily focused on just the, the independent youth programs uh, running lacrosse? It's like independent youth clubs. Okay. When I first started playing in Berkeley High, the, the teams were club. They weren't like CIF sanctioned sports yet. And so mm-hmm. there's still pockets like Oakland Tech is, is a, their boards lacrosse team is a club. They're not like a CIF varsity sanctioned sport yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they end up traveling a lot more to play their games and they play less games. Um, so the NCJLA, they help organize, um, they help organize refs, uh, fields, um, dues, like all these kind of protocols uh, for, I think it's probably close to like 500 teams. Um, the, the organization was started in like 86. So imagine 1986 to now and some of those same things that were built in are still there right mm-hmm. uh, so that you know it's kind of an old organization um i think you know we we've just been talking uh, and thinking a lot about how we can make it continue how we can ensure that it continues to stay relevant so are you allowed to since it was created in 86 i'm assuming then to now are you still allowed to go up and sniff a beautiful white woman's hair from behind if you're a dog yes jared <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> dang, jared. as soon as we get a good interview going on jared gonna throw that in there yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was gonna say this 
Mute yourself while you got all that shit going. Your question, man, man, that was a police car. They're gonna be by real quick and gone, man. They ain't stopping in this neighborhood. I guarantee you that. They ain't helping nobody over here. <laughs> I called them once and they ain't helped me. I'll ask me tons of fucking questions. And then I just told them, fuck it. The person left. As they're asking, did you like to leave your name? No, I don't want to leave my fucking name. Edward Hill. <laughs> uh, they breaking in the cars. Get over here. Edward Hill. I told you, Edward Hill. How many times I gotta say my name? No. But um, but Ed, I tell you this though, you know, uh I you know, as being someone that got to witness, you know, you as a coach at a couple of uh, especially at Berkeley High, went to a few of your games, and I also got to witness you. And working with that in that Oakland lacrosse setting, club setting. And when I went, you took me to an event and I, you know, and that was, that was a good event for me. I mean, I went for the free liquor and food, but it ended up being a great event because they talked about, uh, I got to learn a lot about the work you guys are doing and especially in the schools and with the people of color in Oakland and trying to bring more into the game. Uh, can you tell me this with, uh, how do you bring in more, especially the historical aspect of lacrosse? Like I grew up thinking when I went to go visit the East coast back in 96, and I saw people hopping, kids hopping on trains with their lacrosse sticks, you know, and I, I remember getting excited when I saw like three brothers come in. I was like, oh, it's a few brothers playing this game. But I didn't know about it. Like it was news to me that the game is a indigenous game, mm-hmm. a tribal indigenous game. Like, how do you bring those aspects into your coaching and, and working with youth during this? Uh, how do I bring the culture into the game? I think, I think one thing about Black people, because uh, I think when you say people of color, you're, you're talking about a lot of different people, uh, and I'm Black, so I have to be specific, uh, is that we have a very oral or rich oral tradition, right? Um, and sharing stuff. And sometimes we don't share anything at all, right? There are yeah. periods in our family history where people just don't talk. Um, and so one of the things I've learned is like if for legacies, right? When you're talking about, I'm talking about my legacy and how is my legacy going to live? like beyond me and my days and beyond my time at this school, I have to talk about my own life and my own experiences, right? So like, you know, you talk about how do you bring that aspect of like culture into, you know, even though it's perceived sometimes as like this white sport, even though it's a Native American sport, um, I talk about my influences, right? Like who I saw when I first started engaging with the sport and who I learned about, which is like Jim Brown. And then you start thinking about, well, who else for the more recent folks and like the Morgan State, the Morgan State Bears. And that was like one of the black college, HBCU college, like one of the first uh, uh, NCAA lacrosse, pro- uh, all black programs uh, that competed against some um, high division one teams. And one of the original founders, um, his name is Dr. Harrison. His son, Kyle Harrison, ended up becoming, and he's still alive, like this like lacrosse icon, black dude, went to Johns Hopkins. He He's the first person I remember, black person, to literally have a company, sign him, and then allow him to create his own brand of gear, right? And so he's got gloves, he's got lacrosse sticks, shafts, shoulder pads. And so like, as these people are getting notoriety, there's less work for me to have to do to talk about them. I just remind them, right? Like, oh man, the other day, did y'all see Kyle Harrison at that tournament? The other question, cause you know, you, you said like that you, you faced, you know, forms of, you know, overt and 
um, sometimes, you know, subversive uh, racism. Mm -hmm. um, what was your closest point to just being like, this is not worth my time anymore? You know what I'm saying? Or this is not Ooh. worth my pat me me putting myself into this if I'm gonna continue to be treated like that. Um and, and and what was your closest point to maybe like even just like quitting, whether it was playing or coaching? Um and this 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 is a good qu quote from a, a movie of mine where they said This may be one battle we might lose to the man. So the second time I was coaching at Cal, um by the end of that third year, I felt like by coaching responsibilities had been taken away from me, right? Which in my job at that point was to be, I was a defense coordinator, right? So I was tasked with like watching game film, um, trying to break down tendencies of opponents uh, and articulating that into like, what are we going to do, right? And so what ended up happening was, and this is where that good old boys thing comes in. Like there was other folks on the staff and they would reach into their network, which is on the other side of the country. And they would come back and be like, well, hey, my buddy said, blah, blah, blah. And then that would be what we are going forward with, right? And so then there were these like, yeah, it was like, it was, it was belittling, um, it was exhausting. And I didn't really, I didn't understand because no one really wanted to take the time out to sit and talk with me about any part of it to give me any clarity. And then even when I tried to approach other adults, the other adults couldn't even talk to me about what was going on. And I was like a young black dude on the staff. Um, so it was that at that point, I was like, man, I don't even know if I can do this. Like, this sucks. Like, I love doing this. And these people have me questioning my ability to like, to do this job. Uh, and so that was really, 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 really hard for me to like take on because I, it didn't feel warranted. Um, and I like just couldn't, I couldn't understand it. And so that was hard. And then, yeah. How did you, what, 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 what did you find was like a galvanizing thing for yourself internally or externally that then was able to help you kind of like push past that and not allow that to deter you from continuing? So I had to, I like asked myself, like, why? I had to ask myself again, like, why am I doing, like, why do I love this so much? Like, what is it about it? Um, so then what I did was that's when I reached out to Oakland Lacrosse. Um, and that's when I started coaching in Oakland. Um, and so I took that head coaching job and then I was a defensive coordinator for a high school at Miramani. And the head coach was a guy I coached at UC Berkeley the first time around. Super hardworking kid, extremely bright. Uh, and just he and I were able to have a couple of conversations. I was like, look, man, like I'm more than willing to assist you. Like, I just want to coach defense. I know everyone needs that and you know who I am. Um, and so that allowed me, that like took some pressure off and allowed me to kind of refocus uh, and to have some fun and to like, give of myself in a, in a selfless way. Because uh, I think at that point, I was like, I'm trying to win. So yeah, that was one of my questions. How did you relieve the pressure? Because I was going to suggest that you just pull up to work with a Trump 2020 sticker on your car or uh, make America <laughs> great again hat on. <laughs> That's not even, so like to be totally honest, just recently, what was it, last weekend? Yeah, this was last weekend on Sunday. There's like a 
there's a rally in Danville. There's a Black Lives Matter rally in Danville. And this kid on the lacrosse team, along with some other folks, went and were driving their big ass trucks, huge trucks with the big wheels, with the big ass mm-hmm. exhaust that smoke up, like driving them around and purposefully revving up their engines to like cover this peaceful protest in smog smoke. Yeah. And so it's this stuff was cold, what they call it. And so this was like caught on video, went on Twitter. And then this big ass post was sent on next door. And then I just start getting screenshots. And it's like to the to the parents and to the principal and to the lacrosse coach. Like, how could you? And I'm like, what? Like, how, how the fuck am I getting this? Yeah. Like, how? Like, I stopped coaching. I stopped coaching for this organization this summer because they did not, with their own words, say not that they're in support of Black Lives Matter, but they that, that they support the Black and people of color who work in their organization and who play under their organization, right? Like, right. just say, you got my back. They couldn't do that. So I said, fine, I can't work for y'all no more, right? Mm-hmm. Now we've got this thing happening. This is a former, these are former players that you were coaching? One of them is a kid who I didn't coach because he was not on the team that I coached, but could potentially be. Mm-hmm. He's in the pool of potential yeah. players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know who he is. Like, yeah. So no, yeah, I remember so you happened. mentioning mentioning that 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 issue with them not supporting you earlier in the summer. Oh, uh, so that that's that kid's not even a part of this. <laughs> like yeah. this. So yeah, as I'm getting older, there's these things that are happening within this community that are like forcing me to like rethink um, how much is this dream worth to me? Is it becoming more like diverse across the across the nationalities? They, are we seeing more black people? Are we seeing Hispanics? It's something we're still working on. It, at the challenge is in order for it's like it's just like the public education system right like you mm-hmm. have this you have this old idea uh and the people who are still teaching it still look like the folks who have been teaching it and so those folks can't connect with anyone really right other than the folks who look like them so you can't holistically go into a community and start teaching the game Right. Yeah. Right. And so I think what Oakland Lacrosse is doing is awesome. I think that Kevin Kelly, who's the di- who's like the founder, is like steadily like building out this program, right? And so that there are more schools that have teams, so that there's more representation, um, and then building out the youth program so that kids are finding it at an earlier at an earlier age. And now you know now that he is getting more. Fun- folks who have started in the who have started in the program graduated high school gone to college and have now come back right and now he's hiring like black faces to head these or to head like the boys Mm -hmm. the boys program and the girls program right and so it's like like that that's the sustainability but this it's taking him years to do that and gaining partnerships with the schools in oakland unified school districts right and like building these awareness groups and like having these like focus groups. And I think if that's not, if you're not doing that, then you're not really doing anything that's sustainable. Do you think 
Um, this is just something that's a side note. Do you mm-hmm. think, like, you I remember you saying the equipment is costs a lot of money, right? All the money. Do you think that's kind of like done on purpose? Because look, football equipment costs a lot of money. We mm-hmm. all play football. Um, is this a thing where you think that okay, this is a sport that we can have to ourselves? We can recognize, you know, we keep to ourselves. We can, you know, this is our recreational release. Yeah. We don't have the riffraff of the city. Yeah, coming in and playing or exercising in, in our sport. So there are places like Baltimore. Baltimore has historically done a really good job of reaching out to like black communities and making sure that they have access to lacrosse. But that's also because like Baltimore is like one of the hotbeds. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like Oakland is not outside of Kevin Kelly and what Oakland Cross is doing. They're not get, like AAU basketball and football, right? And Pee Wee mm-hmm. football are the precedent. There's no like if you're if you're putting a lacrosse stick in a kid's head, it, if you're putting a lacrosse stick in a kid's hands right now. Mm-hmm. Like in Oakland, what you are, what I think you're saying to them is this: I'm going to give you that stick to help give you a tool, right, to help maneuver the things around you. That and it will also help give you access to school, mm-hmm. right, like, and connections and to folks. Mm-hmm. But I'm not about to make you a millionaire. Right? <laughs> right. You could be on national TV playing at the collegiate level. You could do that, right. But yeah. I can't guarantee you're not selling a kid some dream. Right. But you're saying I can help. I can help you get there, and I think that like that's the honest conversation that like we can have with kids. Because like for me, remember I was like, dude, I can go pick up that lacrosse stick, and for like four years of playing high school lacrosse, there were like maybe four other black people that played at Berkeley High. Yeah. And when you go play football or basketball, you know you like. It is a I kind of see it not entirely, but like a crab in a barrel mentality. Because there are very few opportunities and spots for you, right? Like you're gonna have to step on somebody in order to get out of that bucket. Yeah, you're gonna have to embarrass somebody, kind of on a regular basis if you're trying to get this spot. Well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, Ed. I'm I'm really happy that I'm connected to, and had to coach at one time, and Jared had to somehow work with them in athletics at one time. The greatest Berkeley High, the African, the greatest. African American Berkeley High lacrosse player ever, my boy I C. Oh, get you know out of here, is? man! My boy I C. Six foot seven, one hundred and forty-eight pounds of pure ball. <laughs> he was he was six seven and a hundred. So okay, see and see the problem was your your connections and reach out it was perfect to the wrong fool who was six seven, one hundred forty-eight pounds. He should have he was playing the wrong sport. <laughs> and to be honest, with his athletic ability, he shouldn't have been playing no sport. <laughs> it's great. Like, so coaching at Monte Vista, uh-huh. the amount of work that some of these kids put in to be really good lacrosse players is like, it's, you should make a video about it, man, like a documentary about it. Like, there's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's crazy. I think I, it's like it's the ideal place if your dream which is mine to win an ncs championship and to coach a powerhouse program Mm -hmm. uh, and to just see you know when parents are like totally gung-ho about making sure the kids have what they need to be successful in the classroom and that and on the field like this is it's like this is what you get um at monta vista and so it's been really cool i think the challenge is keeping a balance 
um, of that and, and making sure that like, that's why I bring, when we have things, I bring my son to practice. I bring him to like, so that the kids can see multiple facets of a black man and not just me with a whistle. Mm -hmm. uh, so that they can see me as a dad as well. Part of what I've been learning about this semester in class, like is, is just about narratives and you know, like how you can't, you can't control them, right? But how can you help reshape them? And so if the narrative is that like black men are like this, then if I bring my, my authentic self to these spaces, like the lacrosse practice, and I bring my son into these spaces and I, they see me interact with my son and like they, then I can paint a different picture that may hopefully like conflict uh, with what they're thinking already. Mm -hmm. Are there any Native American traditions still in it? As in like uh, things they do before or after the game to, you know, mm. acknowledge the Native uh, roots? Man, this game, it's called, it's like the little brother of war, man, it was like folks played this to prepare and train for war, mm -hmm. right? Like, no, nah, there's nothing close to like preparing for that. We shake hands, we talk pregame stuff, like, mm -hmm. Uh, in terms of people say things like honoring the game, but like I've never seen what a lacrosse game looks like on a Native American reservation. I think it may look different than what it looks like than what we how we play. Um, maybe one day I'll get to see that. Yeah. So then, do they do a national anthem before the games? <laughs> yeah, they do the they do the national anthem. Okay. And what what point before the game do they? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think I missed that point of all the games. <laughs> okay, so during all this social injustice, are you doing this lift every voice before the games? That's what I'm singing to myself, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Ed. We appreciate you, you know, sharing uh, sharing with us a, a lens into the world of the uh, lacrosse, the lacrosse world and your experience as a man, as a black man, um, and as somebody who went through playing it and uh, now coaching it. So we appreciate Welcome, it. Welcome, man. Maybe next time I'll tell y'all about, about the time I went to – Japan and China and Australia. See, man, that's already enough right there. Play See, I fucked up. Game. I should have been playing lacrosse if I could have got to Japan and China. <laughs> See, I was, I was too busy playing, playing a uh, high end, high competitive, uh, Division Four A spades. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did, did, were there any black people uh, in your circles when they found out you're playing uh, lacrosse and they said this to you? Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Like, I got all kind of shade, man. Play, man, you should play football or basketball. What, what is you doing? What is you doing? Yeah, <laughs> they probably was like, "You smoke crack, don't you? Look at me, boy. Don't you smoke crack?" <laughs> I want to get to some Lakers talk real quick. Let's get to some Lakers talk. Pat Riley came out this week and claimed that this title deserves an asterisk because of the injuries they had to go through. So my question is, is this title this year, the COVID title, the Rona title, the boycott season, is this title, the bubble season, the bubble title, does it deserve an asterisk next to it? I believe it does. Um, because whatever Pat Gold says goes, because um, my mom likes Pat Riley. Um, my wife likes Pat Riley. 
and he's a sex man, so everything he says goes. He's a, a beautiful, gray-haired, white man. White man. <laughs> <laughs> he's, you know Pat Riley is one of the dudes who played on the team that, that lo- was it, yeah. lost to the all-black team? He wasn't, when you, you're talking about one of the dudes, he was yep. the all-American on that team, Jerry. He was he their was best player. Kentucky, he was a yeah. Kentucky player, all-American. He was their best player. He was the best player on the Kentucky team that lost to the, was it the Glory Road team? Yes, the yep. Texas Western, also known as UTEP. UTEP. And the team wasn't all black. The team actually had two white starters, but the coach got to the final four. You know, you have dinners, you have all this with the teams and all together. And you had Adolph Rupp and he didn't like the feeling of like kind of this like white. They weren't allowed to stay at the same hotels because of how many black players had. You had to go through the back door. Yeah. So he, he had six black players on the team and he started, he only played the black players that game. You know, he needs a lot more celebration for what he did because he decided in that final game, at Kentucky, this all-white team that has all these banners, I want to go out here and beat them with the all-black team. And he told he had two starters who were white, and he and, and it took a lot for those. I mean, think about the conversation you have to have with those guys to tell them you're not going to play a minute of this game, right? Even though you're one of them was like the second leading scorer, one of them was this. He's like, you're not going to play a minute. Only the black players are playing today, mm-hmm. and they had to give it up to the black players. Like I said, it was only I think six, six. It might have been seven, but I think it was only six. Or it might have been seven of them. One of them got hurt. One of the starters got hurt early and couldn't play the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, Pat Riley was on that team. Pat Riley, though, even though he was on that team, you know, one thing I would say, Pat Riley's never been a racist, right? No. He was just born into that position and played basketball and all white. Because when he got to Lakers, I tell you this, I don't think, other than Kurt Rambis, he never brought a white person around that team. <laughs> he never brought a white person around his team. He was wrong about that. He was, he, when he went to Miami, he made sure he exactly. got rid of all the white players. <laughs> exactly. Listen, I mean, Kurt, strange. Kurt Rambis huh? was the one who got clotheslined by uh, Kevin McHale. By Kevin McHale, yeah. His, it, he's the one whose wife, Linda Rambis, is basically running the basketball team under, uh, because she has – that's the one Magic said. Jeannie yeah. keeps listening to people, and it's Linda Rambis, the one that they yeah, talk Linda about. Yeah, Linda Rambis. And uh, Kurt Rambis also on Pornhub. Come on. (laughs) And so, uh, but you know what, Jared, as far as the asterisks, I've really stopped, and I've said this even before the Lakers in this year, I've really stopped putting asterisks on things, right, people's titles. As long as everyone goes through the same rules and have the same things, if anything, I would put an asterisk on this one because to me, this one might have to be the hardest title to get, right? And to me, this is what ups LeBron James' status is. I don't know if Jordan would have been able to go through a title like this. I don't know, because especially the way he was, he wasn't a galvanizing person on his team. They galvanized around him on the court, but he wasn't a guy that kept the mood great off the court that everyone loved to hang around. He wasn't one of those people, right? Jordan would have drove his teammates crazy. But uh, listening to some of the players' interviews on different podcasts and different sports networks, uh, it sounds like the one thing that LeBron James did was this team from the start – it was all about creating a chemistry, not just on the court, but also off the court where they trust each other. You see how LeBron James treat Kyle Kuzma on the court. But yeah, I was shocked to hear like Kuzma, every player went to every event. They were like, they had the Halloween parties together. They had Christmas together. They had Thanksgiving. Every player, wives, girlfriends, no matter who it was, your family, your kids, your, your, your parents in town, they come too. They did everything together. But Jared Dudley was telling a story. Like, he's like, do you know, I've, he's like, look, I've been on Phoenix where we all got along, but never like this. He goes, never have a team and said, LeBron, really, that's like his main thing. We do everything off the court. He said, look, it was my birthday on the first day of quarantine. A lot of people didn't know when they got to the bubble, each player had to quarantine in a room for 48 hours. 
right? You weren't allowed to leave your room 48 hours. He said, man, we all like they had wine delivered, like LeBron had wine delivered. Everybody had a bottle outside the door. They opened it, got their bottle and they toasted to Jared Dudley, his birthday. He's like, I spent my first birthday without being up seeing anybody, right? He's like, he's like, but that's the kind of team was. Everybody sat at the door, just yelling at each other through the doors, we're talking. He's like, and then he said, after every game, they got together in somebody's room, the whole team. We drank wine. They drank a lot of wine, it sounded like. But they, uh, they got together in somebody's team. Good for the team. cardio. But I said, LeBron, LeBron's become a big wine foul, right? Like, mm-hmm. like uh, Odia foul or Oreo foul, whatever it's called when you're mm-hmm. drinking a lot of wine. And so uh, he's become a big one. And so he had he's like Somalian. Some, yeah, no, that's, he's, he's Somali. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And so they had, so they had like somebody and they, he already had something in where he was getting wine shipped into the bubble basically every week, a lot for all the team and they'll, try different things and it, someone went to certain players rooms certain kinds they would go in some room toast and so it's just uh if anything i think that was the key why the bubble worked because a lot of them like lebron and jr smith they talked about like dude like jared dudley was explaining to them this is what it's like to be in college right like your freshman year of college a lot of them never went to college so they don't know what it's like to be like stuck in a dorm room stuck this and he goes and let me tell you the bubble wasn't easy like it looked good with bells and whistles, clubs and all that. He goes, players were so focused and so things. No one went to like none of the clubs, party. We'll go ahead. Nobody did all of that. He was like, they might play a game or something here and there. But it was like, that's why Dwight Howard had that one video. Of, he's like, man, it's supposed to be a club and party pool party tonight. The DJ's here. And it was just him, right? It was that video, just him and the DJ. Because they were really, the basketball was really intense. Jordan would have loved that part. He would have sold at that. But he was also a creature that needed a little getaway, right? He was yeah. one of those people that needed a getaway. He needs to go off and golf and smoke and, 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 and yeah. buy hookers and gamble. Yeah, he needs to do that. And that wasn't happening in the bubble. The bubble was really super intense. Yeah. They were like, you're there with your thoughts. You're there with your team. He was like, the basketball was very high level. The fans, when they finally let the family sin, they weren't allowed to cheer or boo during the games. That's why Ray John Rondo brother got kicked out that one game for talking crap mm-hmm. to Westbrook. They weren't allowed. The basketball was on a high quality. You could hear everything being said. Uh, it was, to me, if there's an asterisk, it's because it was harder to play in this bubble, right? From the reporters that were there, when the reporters finally got let in, they're like, look, the, the, the game was the highest quality I've ever seen. People locked in. He said, but once the game ended, I sent you the article, Jared, that reporter talked about the bubble. He's like, once the game ended, it was just day to day of the same shit. He was like, it was hard. If you ain't seen your family, you ain't seen this. He's like, think about it. The Lakers was in the bubble for over 90 days. They were the longest team in the bubble. They are in the bubble for over three months. Mm-hmm. Right? Them in Miami yeah, in were in the bubble the longest. Yeah, you, you see, like Aaron's talking about the focus. You can see, we can actually tell the focus because the, the teams that there were more talented lost it. Uh-huh. Or the teams that had the lead, you see Utah um, have the lead against Denver. It wasn't more talented, but they lost focus. They mm-hmm. lost where they, they were going. Um, and it's the Clippers. Clippers were more talented. Clippers had no they chemistry. Allowed no chemistry. Had no chemistry, so they lost focus really fast. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they let it go. And you see, they was the way they beat Denver, they beat Denver swift, clean. So you knew that, you knew there was clear in talent. You can almost see them like coming loose. You see the Clippers kind of coming loose against Dallas, and that's like, ooh, this team—they let—they was letting some. They didn't want to be there. Feeders. They struggled being there. That's why I said the asterisk has to be on this Clippers struggled being in the bu- bubble. That's why Lou Williams did the thing he did. Remember, he was also questioning was he going to go. He was going to opt out, right? right? 
He was crazy. He was originally going to opt out. Had nothing to do with being scared of the virus because if he was scared of the virus, he wouldn't be in a strip club eating wings and getting a lap dance, right? It was, he was scared of having to be there and really having to just focus on basketball and being with your team. They didn't get along well. So it was harder for them to be in there. They they didn't want to be there, you know? It's, yeah. it's funny that Pat Riley gives it an asterisk or whatever. And his team was the most mentally focused team. <laughs> yeah, the second they, most. And, yeah, they, mm-hmm. they were second. I mean, they went through, they shouldn't have beat Boston. They shouldn't have beat uh, Milwaukee like that. Um, they went through those teams, the most most mentally focused, um, hard work. They were spreading the ball. They, their team came together just like the Lakers did. They, well, they, the they, they had yeah. young talent. They had kids out there being focused. Well, that so was the perfect situation for them. Yeah, I'll be honest. If the if that was we didn't have the bubble, Miami wouldn't have had the run they had because they the only that their youngsters didn't didn't have to worry yeah, about playing road. Yeah, they wouldn't have won games. on the road against. Um, yeah, against the, they probably Celtics. would have beat Milwaukee, but they wouldn't. Yeah, they would have struggled. I think. Yeah, we everybody. I think everybody and their mama had them beat Milwaukee. But they, uh, but up. don't forget, like, that's the way Pat. Ra- it's funny fine. that he says that. Shit. That's why he's so hypocritical and he's so salty because his team benefited from the bubble by the way he runs things. Right? They're yeah. like very militaristic. They do the body fat. They, they have that whole body fat thing where a lot of people don't know this. Miami gets tested. LeBron talked about this. Other Miami players talked about. It. They get tested for body fat every two weeks. Every two weeks, and there's penalties if you don't make it. And it's every player from one to fifteen, right? You got your weight challenges. You got hard ass cardio. It's exactly what Pat Riley wanted to run when he set up the program, Miami, and it's been successful. But it also favored the team in a bubble and bringing in someone like Jimmy Butler, whose mindset is on business and playing hard. Jimmy Butler's a scrappy person, scrapped for everything in his own his own life. So he loves the fact that's what that's what did him in in Miami. He got around the millennials who don't want to play hard. Right. And, and, then, and then you got you got John Calipari talking to the media, talking about that Jimmy Butler's bullying Carl Anthony Towns. Right. And it's like and it's like, no, he wasn't bullying him. He wants him to play hard and care and scrap. Right. Like he does. And when he's like, man, they got all this talent and they don't care. They just want to go out here and do what they do. Tell me this. Is Jimmy, is Jimmy Butler going to respect you more if your co- old college coach is going to the media trying to try to back you up and try to help you out? Like, are you going to respect the guy who's on your team that you get on and then he go tell his mama and his mama go to the media? No. Cutty Corner Shoutouts. Cutty Corner Shoutouts. Cutty Corner Shoutouts is the segment we end the show with. Um, each week, each person gets the floor to speak on something that's been bothering them, upsetting them, or that they want to highlight in positivity. Cutty Corner Shoutouts was derived off some banger uh, weed that we got from New York while visiting um, Adarius. Um, shout out to Adarius sponsorship. Cutty Corner Shoutouts. Cutty Corner Shoutouts. It's time. It's time. It's time. We're Aaron, do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? Yeah, you know I do, Jerry. You know I do. I'm just going to give out a good, quick positive vibe. This ain't my Cutty Corner shout out, a quick positive vibe. Uh, Oh, I can't remember the name. I believe it's Finn. Finn, uh, the writer, the writer, the white dude who wrote Purple Rain. He also wrote Roots, would you believe, with Alex Haley. He wrote Purple Rain, passed away. Uh, May rest in peace tonight. 
white dude wrote a lot of black movies that supported African-American people, especially back in the day. They also gave, showed people, especially white America, that we were really people and we had these other sides to us. And, you know, he never painted anything as violent or, or crazy or stereotypical. It may rest in peace. I forgot his name. Sorry. Whoever wrote Purple Rain. So anyway, my cutting corner shout out goes out to McDonald's, Mickey D's, right? It goes out to McDonald's for creating these celebrity meals, right? You know, they had to Travis Scott at first. Um, uh, Jay Blavine, is that how you pronounce the name? Jay Blavin? Blavine, however it's pronounced, the Columbia reggaeton singer. He has the meal out now. They, uh, McDonald's have really found the good way of promoting their business, of especially during this time of the pandemic, to get more people to come in. And they're using celebrities' meals to do that. And my shout out goes to McDonald's because I want you to stop getting all these goddamn skinny celebrities <laughs> to promote your meal. You keep getting all these skinny celebrities to promote the most unhealthy meals there. Now think about it. McDonald's is willing to sell you food. McDonald's has spread diabetes throughout hoods, throughout uh, poor white communities. They are the leading factor in the diabetes is McDonald's. And even with all their corporate greed, all their corporate greed, they did not have the balls to put out some of these shitty and horrible combo unhealthy meals that these celebrities have put off. I mean, we had the Travis Scott meal, which was a quarter pounder with bacon on it. McDonald's never put bacon on a burger. All of a sudden, they got this Travis Scott meal. With, and it's like, oh man, don't worry. We don't give you ketchup with your fries. We give you barbecue sauce. But that's not the one that really got me, that started me. It was the Jay Blavin meal, which uh, consists of a Big Mac, fries, and an Oreo McFlurry. <laughs> It's like, man, you go out and get these in-shape celebrities to sell the most shitty. Why the hell? That, that's more calorie intake and that one meal alone than I've had in the last two days. <laughs> and they going out there with all these commercials, man, and they selling this shit. The, the Travis Scott meal was a big sale. To me, they, they're, worse than a God, they're worse than R.J. Reynolds selling cigarettes. <laughs> Stop. They are worse than the cigarette companies using Joe Camel. What's wrong with y'all niggas? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, shout out to McDonald's sponsorship. Yeah. Pietro, do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? Yeah, I'll make mine short too. Um, so this this week I was, I've been going back and forth to Vegas, you know, dealing with some unfortunate circumstances. So, um, but as we was traveling and I go to to my local, um, well, not local, but we went to a uh, coffee shop. It was an actual Starbucks inside of a casino. And I was thinking, wow, <clears throat> oh, they got the seasonal pumpkin spice with a little bit of, uh, I guess, or whatever they put in it. And then they have all these other flavors, the mocha latte cho chocolate in the, in the, Mocha, fall blend, cinnamon got, toast, um, Cheerio they, mix. They got and, that Lady Marmalade. <laughs> Come on, Lady Chocolata, yeah, yeah. They got all this stuff I can't pronounce. Now, everybody knows I like stuff regular. So we had a coupon for a regular cup of coffee. So I used that regular that coupon for regular cup of coffee. And then she was asking me, do I want all these different type of creamers? 
obviously this lady has not listened to this podcast, so I <laughs> listen to the podcast so she can figure out what regular is. We, I do things regular. I want creamer and sweetener. That's it. I don't, I don't need all this other stuff. I only have pumpkin spice when it's a white woman in my presence. <laughs> I'm trying to talk to a beautiful white woman. Beautiful white. She's just trying to mix a conversation and have a conversation starter with that woman. Everything, I, I can't, I, I don't get it. And the lines are always around the block for some iced coffee, for some coffee with frosting on the top. No, I like my coffee like I like my sex. <laughs> Dark with a little bit of creamer on top, representing the white woman. My Cutty Corner shout out is a positive one this week, and it goes out to the country of Bolivia. This past week, Bolivia and its uh, socialist movement ended up coming out in force. And if you don't know the story about Bolivia last year, um, there was a military coup that was very much endorsed and kind of backed by Western U.S. interest media that there was some kind of, you know, voter fraud going on with Evo Morales. Evo Morales was the first indigenous president uh, elected by Bolivia and had been in uh, office for uh, several terms. Last year, he was voted in with the controversy surrounding the voting potential fraud. Um, A military coup was kicked up by a more conservative party. He was ousted. He left the country. 36 people died in the coup uh, due to military force. And he is now in um, he's, he's living in exile in Argentina currently. This week, they redid their presidential election after a couple of delays. And the socialist movement that Evo Morales represented and was uh, was his party um, ended up winning the presidential election. Um, the name of the band is Luis Arce. Luis, Luis Arce, who was his uh, minister of finance, um, is now the new president. And it just goes to show you that uh, in this world, there's still some good that can be done in a democratic process um, and that the opportunity for the people's voice to be heard um, beyond the money, beyond the smaller minority that tries to you know, control the narrative and tell you what is right and what is wrong can be defeated or can be um, quelled by the mass of the people. And so um, it, was an, it was inspiring, a good feeling to see um, people being heard and that a socialist movement can continue in a country where they did their best to upheave it and, and turn it over on its head. Um, and they use our media to, to make it seem as such right. was the case. So um, shout out, Cutty Corner, shout out to all the media outlets and the motherfuckers in the United States that use that to try, you know, propagate this socialist, uh, socialism is corrupt when really it is the capitalist regime that is the one that will show you what corruption is because corruption has to do with not making choices based on what is right it's making choices based on money and power and that's what they did in bolivia that's what they contributed to in bolivia the bolivian people shout out sponsorship y'all major voices heard and uh it gives me a little hope for the future of maybe our democratic process so bolivia you did your thing you fought back against that in the international sense so shout out sponsorship come on our show and uh yeah all of Bolivia, come on the show. All of them. All of y'all. Yeah, it's tough. It's and that's the cocaine money. Oh, that's <laughs> They got that oil reserves down well, there. Venezuela, too. Venezuela was the oil money. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, oil, right? yeah Venezuela was the oil. oil. Yeah. And then um, 
you got the um Bolivia was for the Bolivia for the resources for the batteries and whatnot. So yeah. Yeah. Bolivia yeah. got that, got that, got that Tesla money. Yeah, yeah that's Tesla what you money. Boy, got the, all boy. that mining money. No, have y'all seen the fact look at the um acid mines or what they when they um I guess what they what they cure was the mines they, where, where they get the what, batteries from? Yeah, the water look at the water and the I guess how they cool down the all the uh what do you call that? When they, they um, the drilling aggregate. Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do all the stuff and they get the, all the minerals out the ground. Man, if that stuff don't look uh, frightening to you, that that is some. It looked like it's about to blow in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> it, it don't matter. We got some place for it. We we'll just go ahead and put a pipe there and send that straight to Flint, Michigan. Or you just, exactly. or, or you just create, or you just put down a big ass like a uh, three football field tarp on the ground uh, after you dug a hole in it, and then you pour all the water in there and just let it sit for a while. <laughs> hey, dude, you Best start. Way to you come put a up youth... renewable energy is to grow alcohol from. The I'm best. Sorry, that's the best way. Nah, energy. nah, man. I see. I'm opposite you, Pedro. I think the best renewable energy we got is nuclear energy. That, well, it is. We just have to figure out how to harness it. Can't find out how to harness it. Well, for stop people from making uh, weapons out of it. That's the problem. If they stop making weapons, use those same scientists make weapons who actually know about the energy to make renewable resources out of. But there's this thing we can do. We, we have the earth. We can grow. We use. All your natural you use your corn, and use your moths. Man, a tractor running off a cooking grease. You know the Illuminati own Chevron. <laughs> right, I forgot about that. They bought Orville Rettenbacher. That way we don't <laughs> have no more ethanol. Also, shout out to Kamala Harris. I know you said that you guys aren't going to stop fracking, but damn that. That was the one thing I forgot to say while I was mad about from the VP debate. We need to stop fracking. Yeah, we could use fracking for the time being, but we need to stop fracking. That shit is a pollutant to our water sources. Fracking got to go. If you oh, light your oh, water oh, on oh. fire, if you can yeah. light your water on fire. You can use fracking water. You can use fracking water to fuel cars. <laughs> you can use fracking water to start your coals when you barbecue it. No, for real. Hey, you know the Illuminati killed Orville Redenbacher. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they work, they, you know they're working on Mr. Peanut, too. They trying to kill him. <laughs> they, they tried to. They shot a drone at him. Oh, shit. Oh. This. That is our show, my friends. That is our show. Um, I just want to say, hey, I hope you all taking care out there. Please, please be sure to check in with our Patreon page. We're trying to build it out. It will have bonus episodes or bonus conversations our bonus links and remastered episodes popping up on there. Just some of the feature conversations that we want to be able to have um, and keep our episodes shorter. Please make sure you tap in and check us out at patreon.com backslash high score 510. Any other final words you guys like to say to our fans? Uh, yeah, uh, stay lovely. Come back. Everybody just just thank God that you have breath and uh, stay alive out there. Stay Stay safe. Be safe. Pumpkin spice. Drinking pumpkin spice. Do your best. Yeah. Try to to lay a beautiful white lady. (laughs) Hey, Joe, I'm leaving for that white lady. (laughs) Shout out to beautiful white woman. Sponsorship. Uh, Come on our show. Aside from that, we hope you all have a blessed week. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, keep keep laughing with us. And we will leave you with this.
had sex with a white girl. <laughs> Come on, Jared. <laughs> Come on, Jared. Uh, I just thought it up. That is, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, I got two kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I did that. I can uh, <laughs> think it might be a few other other ones of you who's done that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, shit. Not I not me, you. Ed. I'm still a virgin. And if you don't. Stop that's why I'm wearing white right now. No, no, that's why you was trying not to sign on through your phone. That's why you was worried about Jared sending you them text messages, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Nah. Link to today's Zoom. And, and I'm the only one on this thing that can wear white at his own wedding. I'm going to wear an all white suit. You're going to be thinking I was Dominican. And I ain't playing, nigga. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Ed. You didn't know about this. So one day I was at the Levi's store. I found a pair of white Levi's. And I was like, hey, man, should I pick this up? I was at the one in Petaluma. I text this group chat chat that Pedro Jared on. Pedro said, he goes, yeah, man, those would be good if you're Dominican, right? Uh, <laughs> and then, but Jared says out of Texas, said, man, those look like the proper Ed Hill pants. <laughs> <laughs> man, I wore one pair. All right, last little anecdote, and I got to go. I wore, there's one time I had a white pair of pants. Uh-huh. I was, in, I think I was in sixth grade, man, at Malcolm X. And I'll never forget these two little, these two black girls who I'd known for most of my life. They were being assholes and they were just talking shit to me. And then all of a sudden, one of them goes and they throw, I don't know how in the fuck, but salsa gets on my white pants. <laughs> like yeah. I know you, you know was how hot. mad I was. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and say their name on the show, Edward. Nah, man. <laughs> you, you have no idea. I was like, I can't believe I went through salsa. Hey, you know how fast I went home? I lived half a block away from home, man, uh-huh. like from the school. Uh, oh, you yeah. left the school in elementary? <laughs> wow. Sixth grade, man. I stay half a block away. They'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> did they ever did you ever get caught for leaving or you got back in time? Oh man, I came back. <laughs> With what color pants? Did you have like another pair of white or another pair of light blue? And I ain't had them kind of I ain't had orange. No pants that made sense, man. I had these big old bright orange parachute pants that had the one they probably probably got them from Durant Square because they look like they had some crazy decoration on them. Yeah. I had these like bright orange. Uh, leather Cortez that I was wait. If you was in sixth grade, that means I was in what grade? Seven year difference. Oh yeah, I, that's what me and Pedro was working those. I remember I had remember Pedro had those gold pants. Uh, yeah, Aaron had some gold pants. I had some hammer pants with the polka dots. I was looking like Kwame. Yep. <laughs> we thought we was the shit, man. Remember we we were at to my sister graduation. We were rayon shirts. Uh, just embarrassing. She was so mad. We showed up at her her I grad school black, graduation with a rayon shirt. Black and gold rayon shirt with like a leaf pat- pattern on it. It was like a fall leaf. It was like a <laughs> it was like a pumpkin. It was like a pumpkin spice colored Come on, leaf man. pattern on that black shirt. You you would have thought me and Pedro were backup. Uh, what was the guys playing backup instruments for Tony Tony Tony? 